Hey now, happy, happy vibes, my friends. Welcome back to my podcast, Vibes by Alicia, where I believe in spreading killer vibes that light you up and give you that kick in the ass to craft the life you wish to live. This sacred space is dedicated to the lovers of all things business, travel, and lifestyle. Hey, it's about time you get the scoop on the latest vibes, so let's get to it. Everyone, I am so excited to present to you my guest today. I am really excited about this because it is someone that, you know, I've been having in my um, periphery, someone I've been looking at and like researching and looking and like, mm, I need to have her on my podcast because she's got a very interesting life. And once I met her and I've gotten to know her a little bit more, I think it's like so fascinating, you know, the, the trajectory her life has taken. Dr. Pallavi Arcana. Archana. 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 Kumbla. Yes. Yes. Got it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> is a doctor. She completed general surgery residency at the university. And I practiced it. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you did uh, Sorry about you did that. better than most people do. <laughs> so she's a general surgery residency at the University of Arkansas for medical sciences. After receiving her board certification in general surgery, she then went on to pursue a second residency in plastic and reconstructive surgery at the University of Alabama in Birmingham. Under the supervision of, of ACPS and the surgeons, Dr. Kumla performs consultations, a broad range of plastic surgery procedures, and cosmetic injectable treatments for you at a very significant reduced rate. And I'm so excited to have you because um, everybody, welcome Dr. Kumla. Welcome. Yeah, to the thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited that you're here because, you know, one thing that my listeners and my audience is always asking questions about, it's like, where do you go to get, you know, this done or that done? Right. A lot of the women who, who listen to the podcast are women like my age, you know, 45, yeah. over 40, you know, they're in a different stage in their life where, you know, our kids are teenagers. Right. We're like ready to get our bodies back, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're like working out, eating well. And then, you know, you see something like for me, I was like, I need a breast lift. This is just not working for me. Yeah. And, um, um, that's how I went to the ACPS, the Aesthetic Center, and I met Dr. Hustek, and then I met some of the other ladies there. Yeah. And so it just became like a family. Yeah. So it is like oh, a family, yeah. right? Yeah. ACPS is great. I mean, you know, when it came time for me to decide after all of my training about doing an additional year, um, I was like, you know, I want to do a year in aesthetics. It's its own detailed, very different environment in plastic surgery. And um, after I interviewed at several programs, in my gut feeling, I really felt that this program was the best in the country. Uh, and for multiple reasons. I mean, they have amazing surgeons there that are talented. They're doing the latest cutting-edge surgeries. Uh -huh. But more than that, they have amazing people there, amazing mentors, yeah, for sure. um, the work environment. Mm -hmm. From everybody in the OR staff to the clinic, it's been such a great year. Uh, I'm only here for a year. I'll be a little bit sad when I leave, but I think it's one of the best decisions I've made in my career. I love that because, you know, I, I often wonder, like, what motivates you to go into aesthetics? I want to ask you that question because I know that from your background, I know that you have medicine in your background, but what motivated you or what encouraged you? What made you think you wanted to do aesthetics? What made you think you wanted to do surgery and cosmetic surgery? Yeah. So um, just to kind of go back a little bit, you know, when I did my plastic and reconstructive training at um, UAB, which is in Birmingham, Alabama, which mm -hmm. is where I'm from, um, it's very, very heavy on reconstructive surgery. Uh, and it's amazing. I mean, we did a lot of hand surgery, lots of complex um, microsurgery wow. with the microscope, uh, for breast reconstruction, had a neck cancer, 
uh, trauma. I mean, all sorts of stuff. Wow. Um, but one of the nice parts about that program was that, um, you know, it was originally created by um, a very prominent plastic surgeon whose name is Dr. Vasquez, and he's an amazing surgeon all around, but he also is very, very good at aesthetics. And so um, he actually trained my former program director. Uh, his name is Dr. Delatore. Um, and, you know, I remember in residency for the past three years, I would go with him to his clinic and I would watch him speak to these aesthetic patients. Mm-hmm. It's definitely an art. And that's mm-hmm. what I learned from him. It's it's different from the reconstructive side. Okay. And it's definitely something that, um, you know, you have to appreciate and you really have to understand that there's a science and there's an art to approaching aesthetic or cosmetic surgery and for me, I realized after watching those people, like, mm-hmm. this is what I wanted to do. And that was part of the reason why I chose to do an extra year was really to spend a full year mm-hmm. watching all these aesthetic surgeons, you know, in their craft. And for me to understand how to become like that. And then I think, you know, uh, for the reconstructive patient, right, you know, they have cancer, they have trauma. It's yeah. a totally different um, element. But for the aesthetic patient, you know, everybody deserves to feel great about themselves. Exactly. And everybody deserves that opportunity. And so while it's not for things like cancer or trauma, it definitely is life changing. And there's a specific approach to that. And I felt like that was important for me to do. And so that's part of the reason why I chose it. Wow. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just assume that it's just uh, based on vanity, but it's a lot of inner work that goes into it as well. Yeah. And confidence. Like confidence is such an important thing for a woman, especially as she gets older. Correct. And she starts to feel like she's not worthy of of attention or worthy of herself anymore. And this can really bring her back. Yeah. Back to life, basically. I agree. Everybody's life is completely different. Nobody has the same life, you know, and some people are moms, some people are not mothers, some people, you know, yeah. have a very career driven life. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, what ties them all together is that they want to feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with time, everybody ages, you know, you age, I age, everybody does. And so this specific, um, you know, subspecialty in plastic surgery is designed to restore or rejuvenate kind of a more youthful component that I think people want and they deserve to have. Yeah, and I think it really does make a difference. Yeah, it really, oh, yeah. it really changes. It not only changes the the person's body, but it changes the way she approaches her life. Yeah, you know, I I, I do remember just from personal experience, just feeling so so much more confident wanting to wear things that I would typically not wear, um, being more sexually free too, um, feeling more at ease with my husband, not feeling like I'm always just like covering, just feeling so much more comfortable in my body and feeling like, you know what, this is okay. This is good. I feel good. I feel better. Um, and it just translates to other things in life. You just approach things in a more confident way. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I don't either. I mean, I don't presume to know anybody life or kind of how they live their life but my mentality is everybody should live the life that they want to live and how they want to live and so if I can add that confidence or restore that confidence Mm -hmm. to do whatever activities they want to do whether it's fit in a certain type of clothing or be able to like go to the gym and feel comfortable exactly that's what I want to do and that's the service I want to provide love that so I mean you know to me that's important and you know 
I mean, even for myself, I think, you know, there are things that I definitely want to be a little more confident in. How can I change that? And so that's kind of what I see when I look at these patients Mm -hmm. who come in. Mm -hmm. And I remember you mentioned something about your mother was a breast cancer. She's a breast cancer survivor. She is, yeah. Uh And so that kind of got you thinking about, you know, reconstructive surgery. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that and that experience. Yeah. So, I mean, my mom has been a huge influence in my life. I mean, you know, she immigrated here and then she became a nurse and, you know, she immigrated she, from where she immigrated from India and then she got her citizenship. She became a nurse. And I remember at a young age, you know, both my parents, my dad and my mom, my dad's a psychiatrist. Okay. Uh, and no, he doesn't, he doesn't psychoanalyze us ever, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, both of them worked very, very hard. And so from a young age, they both instilled, um, that work ethic. And the other thing is, is that they always instilled in us, you should treat everybody fairly and equally and help Mm -hmm. everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my parents are definitely a huge inspiration in my life. And so when I was in college, my mom got breast cancer. Okay. And, you know, for me, I remember my mom is so selfless. She didn't even want to tell us because she was like, I want my children to do well. I don't want them to be distracted. I want them to get an mm-hmm. education. To worry about her. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. So you have this like very strong woman. And my dad obviously helped her. Who's like going through this experience. And then I remember they told me when I came home for like Christmas break and it was devastating. Uh, but my mom, you know, had very good doctors and, you know, ultimately like now she's a breast cancer survivor Mm -hmm. and she's doing great years later. But, you know, at that time, which was years ago, Mm -hmm. there weren't, you know, all the reconstructive options that are available now. I mean, they existed, uh, but you had to be in a place where uh, all those were offered to you. Um, And like I said, you know, the techniques have developed significantly over, you know, the past 10 years. It's amazing, right? Even just the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. My mother's also a breast cancer survivor, but she didn't do anything. So she had a lumpectomy. And I remember just her feeling super self-conscious about her breast. Yeah. Because there was no reconstruction. Right. And by the way, paying for for her surgery was another issue because she really didn't have insurance. So we were were through charity through St. Luke's. Yeah. Yeah. That's another component. It's a total, it's totally big component of that. I mean, when it comes to screening and prevention for breast cancer, I mean, we definitely make huge advances in it. And I'm a very strong believer in that everybody should have access to that, you know, um, whether you have the financial means or not. Right. Um, and in my mom's case, you know, um, she opted for no reconstruction. But I remember thinking at that time, OK, I'm going to medical school. What do I want to do? And um, from the moment I hit medical school, I was like, I'm going to be a surgeon. And I remember everybody was like, are you sure? And I was like, yes, I'm going to be a surgeon. You know, and, you know, one of the key things about medical school is you got to be a good test taker sometimes. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm not the best test taker, but I work really hard and I study. So um, I did general surgery. And then when I did my general surgery, I remember um, I was sitting outside the, uh, I think it was the Spine Institute at the um, hospital. And I was talking to one of my um, old mentors, whose name is Dr. Ewan, who's still there. He's an amazing, amazing plastic surgeon. And I told him, I'm going to be a plastic surgeon. I need Mm -hmm. your help. And he was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a plastic Mm -hmm. surgeon. And so. What um, did your parents say when you said that? You know, my parents are amazing. And the fact that they never say no to any of the things I want to do. Okay. That's good. You know, especially coming from an Indian American, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, Asian background, my parents were very much 
supportive of whatever I wanted to do. And it's not, you know, it's not a common thing for, there's lots of Asian people who do medicine, Mm -hmm. but I would say it's not that common um, for females who are Indian necessarily to do a surgical uh, okay. Specialty. Okay. I guess because I asked that question just because there is a perception that they're very much, you know, dictating their kids' lives pretty mm-hmm. much. And mm-hmm. like, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And that's it. Yeah. Right. And that could be the case for some people. But luckily for me, my parents, like, they were like, you know, mm-hmm. um, do what you want. And I was like, I want to do medicine. Okay. What do you want to do medicine? I want to be a surgeon. And I think they're a little bit surprised by that. But the entire steps of the way, which now it's year nine, I mean, it's not an easy thing to go through. It's definitely emotionally, mentally, physically challenging, but my parents were always supportive. I mean, you know, when I think about some of the hardest times I went through during those nine years, they were always there for me. And they're always like, no, you can do this. So now on the back end, just as I'm starting my career and finally feeling, you know, the beginnings of, you know, doing well for myself and kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, it's all because of them. Do you ever think about going back and just telling mom, let me help you and let me get your, your boobies right? Well, <laughs> interestingly, you know, I was on the phone with you my have mom. A doc- you have a doctor yeah, that you can know, help you, mama. I, I'm a firm believer, like, every woman should do what they want to yeah. do. And so when I was counseling patients through residency, I would tell them all the options, right? Mm-hmm. You have options for implants. You have options for using your own tissue. But even another option, which caught them off guard, was... You don't have to do anything. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, you don't have to do anything. I mean, I think the nice part about um, patients who get breast cancer, it's a multidisciplinary approach. So where I trained, it was the breast oncologist, the breast surgeon would Mm -hmm. see the patient, diagnose them, talk about chemotherapy, whether they needed a lumpectomy or a mastectomy. And then they would send them to the plastic surgeon. So we would see the patients at that point, and we counseled them about what are their options for reconstruction. And you meet women who are in their 20s, 30s, all the way to their 70s, all different walks of life, all different types of lifestyles. Mm -hmm. And the one thing consistently I told them, no matter who they were, was, yes, you're here in our office to, to discuss reconstruction, whether it be implants or your own tissue, but you have to understand, like, if you don't want to have anything done right. and you're okay with a mastectomy scar, that's a perfectly great option. And you need to understand that. And I think like that definitely um, did not, you know, uh, like a lot of, some women never even thought that was an option. And so I'm there's like, part counseling in yeah. your part. Oh yeah, for sure. Talking, for sure. discussing, going through options. Yeah. And I think as a plastic surgeon, you know, you have to give the patients all the options and be mm-hmm. completely honest with them. I mean, cause they have to pick the best option for their life. And a lot of times they would ask me, what would you do if it was you or your right. mom? Uh-huh. And I'll be honest, you know, um, I, I would tell patients, you know, about my mom, she mm-hmm. had whatever, mm-hmm. you know, she had a mastectomy, didn't do reconstruction. She's perfectly happy with that, mm-hmm. you know, um, for myself, you know, I can't, I'll be honest, I've never thought about that situation because I never, I haven't, you had, haven't had the decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, if that does ever happen, I'll have to think about it more seriously. But I always tell patients, it's not about me. It's not about my mom. It's not about my family. It's about what you want to do. It's not about what your husband wants, what your children want. Yeah, I was going to say that because yeah. some of them do whatever the other person or the partner wants them to do. Right. And I, I always or like, oh, this is an opportunity for yeah. you to get bigger yeah. or like, you know, that kind of thing. And it's yeah. not necessarily the best for her. Correct. And I tell patients, uh, you have to do what is right for you. Because this is your life and this is your future. And so 
you have to enjoy it and you have to live with it. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing is you want to be cancer free, obviously. But once you get to the reconstruction phase, you want to be able to be happy with what you're getting. And we have that ability now to create the breast for the woman, but they have to be comfortable with it. Exactly. So I think, you know, my advice to every patient I saw was do what you want to do, not what somebody else wants you to do or what you think I would do. I'm giving you all the options mm-hmm. and you have time to think about it. Yeah. You know? That's such a good advice because yeah. so many of them are, are listening to so many other people outside of themselves Yeah, that they're not staying true to who they are, Correct. you know, and not listening to their own things. But why do you think there's such a, like a stigma attached to cosmetic surgery? I mean, if, if they say, well, you know, they were born with a birth defect, obviously that's, you know, a good yeah. way to do it. But if it's for vanity reasons or if it's like just to look better and, and, and you know, feel better, mm-hmm. why is there such a stigma attached to that? Like people don't even talk about it sometimes. Like they don't even say like, they're so afraid to tell anyone that they yeah. had any procedure done. Yeah, I think judgment in our society is a huge thing. You know, I mean, so everybody, yeah. and I'm guilty of it too, everybody has opinions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you think about plastic surgery, right, the first thing you think of is cosmetic or aesthetic surgery. Yeah. But there's a whole other side to it. And a lot of actually the aesthetic and cosmetic techniques derive from reconstructive surgery. And one of the key things that I was taught in my training was to be a great reconstructive surgeon, you have to be a great cosmetic surgeon or aesthetic surgeon. Mm -hmm. To be a great aesthetic surgeon, you have to be a great reconstructive surgeon. Oh, interesting. So they go hand in hand and it's a spectrum. But I think once again, you know, just like those patients who come into the hospital in the (laughs) ER and have trauma or cancer or have a wound that needs to be covered, Mm -hmm. and they they also want to feel good about themselves, right? It's a functional thing. But in addition, there's this whole emotional, mental part of it. They want to feel good about themselves. So when you switch to the aesthetic component, I don't think that it's a vanity reason at all. You know, it's it's not. It's that Mm -hmm. those patients also may not have a wound, may not have cancer, may not have trauma, but they want to feel good about themselves. Right. And there's 100% nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and why do we judge people for wanting to feel yeah. better about themselves? Yeah, and you know, I mean, to be honest, it's it's a very kind of fine line um, between the two, but I think that there is the stigma, you know, where people say they don't want people to know they had cosmetic surgery or they don't want to know yeah. that they mm-hmm. had something done. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least for me, it's like, you know, you don't have to feel that way. You know, you should be, if we're restoring your confidence and you look great, you should be proud of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You should be proud of that. Um, I think a lot of it stems from history of cosmetic surgery, Mm -hmm. social media, what we see on TV, what we read in the news, you know, there's all this kind of. Right. And there's also this, this idea out there that if you didn't work hard for it, if you didn't work out and exercise and like, like ate super super healthy then you really don't deserve that body because you didn't work hard for it and you're going like getting liposuction or you're getting the mommy makeover but um why do we not consider each person as a as a separate entity yeah right like if that's what you want to do then then you should be super comfortable doing that yeah i agree with you i think that my opinion on that is the best approach is for patients obviously to diet and exercise but some people do that and they still don't get the results that they want and there's no shame, there's nothing wrong with visiting a plastic surgeon and saying, like, okay, I've done what I can do, I want to take it to the next level. Yeah. And if that's what's going to get you back your confidence and your energy, 
then you should do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you shouldn't worry about what other people think. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what I tell patients, Yeah, you know, but I'm also very honest with patients. And I tell them if they haven't done like diet and exercise yet and haven't tried that before they get their aesthetic surgery, they should do that because for two reasons, one, it's safer, mm-hmm. it's safer from a surgical standpoint, but two, your aesthetic result, your outcome will look way better yeah. and you'll have, you'll get more for what you're going into mm-hmm. than if you don't do that. So I think there's so true because then you go back to being the same person you were before yeah. thinking you solved the problem, but the problem is just right. temporary yeah. and you fixed it for a little exactly. while. Exactly. The whole thing hasn't, uh, hasn't been addressed, yeah. I guess. You want long-term mm-hmm. optimal results. So really like that's my, that's my viewpoint on it. And that's what I, that's what I will counsel patients who come in. Yeah, that's and, good. And that. I'm, I'm glad that, 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 that people consider that and think about those things and not think of it as like, oh, it's yeah. just a quick fix. And then I'm going to look great and amazing forever. And it's like, no, there's no. like a lot of work yeah. that still has and to you be still done. Have to maintain it after, you know, yeah, and that's course. a key part of it. Uh, but there's nothing better than patients coming in after you've done their surgery and you can just see the change in themselves and how mm. happy they are. Oh yeah, for sure. So, and I love doing like, um, makeovers for the women who, who, who go through that. Like I've, yeah. I have had a few women who lost a lot of weight or who had like, a like just had different procedures done and they come in and they're like, Alicia, I want to get styled and I want to do, tr- you know, try different yeah. things. And that is so much fun to do because now they're trying on dresses they would have never tried before. Right. They're going out, they're doing things, they're traveling. It's like a whole new life has, has come into their body. Agreed. And I love that. It's great. You know, yeah. craft the life you wish to live. Why not? Agreed. So what is your favorite surgery to do? I know you, you do everything, but yeah. which one is your favorite to do? Like? So I think my favorites are definitely um, breast and body, but Breast is my favorite. You know, I think that, you know, as women, right, we all have breasts, right? Mm-hmm. So um, breast augmentation, breast reduction, uh, breast lift. And then um, my very favorite is revision breast surgery, which is where patients have had uh, breast surgery already, whether it be a reduction, augmentation, lift. Okay. And they need either something done again or they're not quite pleased with the results, you know. And the reason I like it is because um, it's challenging. You know, all breast cases are challenging. The breast is not an easy place to operate on, right. you know, because mm-hmm. you you want to make sure that it comes out looking nicely. Natural, and the right? Na- natural mm-hmm. and that the patient is happy with it. So revision breast surgery is complicated because somebody has already been there and operated on it and you're trying to improve what they already have you're not talking necessarily about a botched no surgery no you're talking about okay yeah okay so it could be sometimes that the patient had a result that they're unhappy with Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. uh but it doesn't necessarily mean that it was botched or that it was done incorrectly but maybe the patient is just not happy with it you know yeah or it could be that the patient had that surgery 10 15 years ago and because of aging and and time right the breast has changed you know or they had surgery and they got pregnant and now they've had changes from pregnancy and exactly. so it's just revisionary or secondary breast surgery because they've already had something done. And so you're going back in and changing that again. Uh, but it can be challenging just because the anatomy is already different. Uh, you have to worry about things like the blood supply. So from a, from a um, you know, mental standpoint for me, it's one of those surgeries that mm-hmm. challenges me mm-hmm. and I love it. Yeah, yeah, you like the challenge. I of like it. the challenge. Yeah, it's like when you're there, that's all you're doing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great, and I can't imagine like, um, you know, for me, just having a breast lift was just so life changing for me, and I, yeah. I've had it twice now, and I think about it, and I think, um, 
the way that I was shopping changed. Um, I started telling my husband, let's do more beach, you know, yeah. vacations. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a dynamic that happens in the person's life and that woman's life and that family life. You mm-hmm. know, um, I've been married 21 years and I remember telling him, it's like, I feel like the older I've been married or the more I'm married to you, the, the less attractive I'm becoming, you know, because mm-hmm. you're getting so used to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, for me doing that was a way for me to just sort of feel like, okay, I'm, I'm regenerating myself. I'm becoming yeah. a newer me You're and like a new, yeah. yeah um and he felt that you know he felt that and yeah. you know that's why he was so supportive of it and just felt like you know it's something that's going to make you happy yeah it's bringing you up it's giving you that confidence that yeah. kind of thing and just that's one thing I tell women all the time it's like whatever you feel like it's going to make you feel better yeah. um you need to not even think about what other people's right. judgment is going to be exactly. and what they think and like yeah. it's you it's your body yeah You have to live your life for yourself, you know, not for anybody else. And attitude and the way that you think about your life is the most important thing. And if you are happy and comfortable with those things, then it'll come across. And one of the ways that that comes across is through your physical manifestation, right? So whatever we can do to help improve people's confidence and attitude, that will better their life. I agree. Absolutely. Why do you think that there's so many women that are um, out there wanting to do things and they're always calling the men doctors? I've, I've heard so many women do that. Yeah. I was very specific about wanting a woman just because I, I felt not because I haven't seen I had a male gynecologist. That's not mm-hmm. the issue for me. It was like I felt like she knew mm-hmm. what I would want. And she was mm-hmm. also, you know, a mm-hmm. woman, a mom, that kind of thing. What is that? What's going on? Like, is yeah. it because there's just so many of them out there that it's just uh, to me, I just feel like historically there's just so many out yeah. there that in our heads right. we're just like so used to it. So I think that, you know, if you go back to the history of any surgical field, right, it's a male-dominated field. I mean, in the past, it was mostly men. And even, like, my, so true. my mentor, uh, who's an amazing surgeon, and she's helped so many women with breast cancer, um, she trained at a time when it was mostly male-dominated. But wow. she has made herself, you know, I mean, immensely successful. And she actually pioneered the way for women like me. So now when you come to people of my generation, right, I honestly don't think when I was going through general surgery and even plastics, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't think twice about, oh, I'm a female and this used to be a male dominated field because there's more women. My general surgery class was all females. Um, And even in my plastic surgery residency, there were so many females. So I think the perception, in my opinion, you know, and I could be wrong, but yeah. is that women are just used to potentially having a male mm-hmm. plastic surgeon or a male surgeon in general. Right. And it's now only recently that kind of the spotlight has been on females pursuing this career and females doing this. So I think what you're going to see in the future is that there will be kind of a shift in how patients approach that. And I think more and more patients will be requesting a female for all the same reasons yeah. that you said. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think it's just so we're just so used to it. And yeah. I and I think there's also this 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 perception like nurses have to be women. Yeah. Like you hear a male nurse and you're like a male nurse. <laughs> what? Yeah. You know, like that movie Meet the Parents. Right. The right. Parents. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was like a a, a male nurse, and they were like, "Oh, why didn't you just become a doctor?" And it's like yeah. it's like such a <laughs> crazy thing but that kind of that kind of goes back to the idea that we're just so used to seeing a kind of society but I like that it's starting to shift and I think with the new generations yeah I think they're starting to see you know agree and like you know when my niece and nephew grow up 
you know, I'll tell my, you know, niece, you can do whatever you want to do, you know, like, I mean, and that's what my parents taught me. So that's what we teach the future generation. So I think it will definitely change. You know, my sister's a doctor, same thing. I mean, she does, she did whatever she wanted to do and, Uh you know, she's out there killing it and doing great. And so um, I think that's kind of the lessons that will pass down to women in the future. So what, considering your, your background, what was one of the things that you, you take from your background and your upbringing um, from, you know, being a child of immigrant parents? I know I myself, am a child of immigrant parents. I know one thing that I always push, push, push forward is because for me, it's like they sacrifice so much mm-hmm. for us. Like we cannot let them down. Like we have, we have um, sort of a responsibility and kind of like a, a burden. I feel also yeah. sometimes to do well, to do good because of them, for them. Yeah. So that whatever they sacrifice or the things that they did for us here. Yeah. That it's not you know wasted. Yeah. So I think we carry a lot of that. I agree with that. I think you know for me watching my parents go from nothing to successful and everybody's definition of success is different, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, you know, watching my parents do that through hard work, I think that's the biggest lesson that they instilled in me is that you can, especially in this country, right? You can do anything you want if you work hard Mm -hmm. and you're determined. And so you know, I will say in the past nine years, I got to this point because I remember that teaching, you know, and that's yeah. what we teach in our family. And that's what we, you know, so I know that's what my sister and my brother-in-law teach their children. That's what I'll teach my children. Yeah, the values, you know, the values yeah. of working hard mm-hmm. and being persistent, you know, and especially as, um, you know, for me, there's a little bit of an advantage, right? You know, we're westernized. We are the yeah. first generation in this country. But you can imagine, I think, for my parents, it was very difficult. Same for your parents. It's yeah. very difficult. You come to a whole different country, different culture. A different language. You don't speak the language. Yeah, different you know, language. Yeah. You don't know anybody. Yeah. And to go from that to being successful. And then the one thing I think also that my parents taught me is they're so generous, you know, you know, for their own children, their own family, and yeah. just other people. Yeah, and the way they raise you yeah. to sort of consider right. other people yeah. as a community, right? Correct. And yeah. then I think for children of immigrants they teach that you know we worked hard and we became successful but we want to pass on that mentality of giving Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is ultimately kind of the lessons I've learned from my parents and and how they immigrated and I I mean I I don't think that's That's so true lesson you can learn without being the child of somebody like that I agree and I think there are certain values that you 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 carry with you um you know I I I married my husband and he's also a child of immigrants. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the way we connected, even though we're both very culturally different, mm-hmm. very different mm-hmm. culturally, our, our similar value systems in terms of the way we were raised, the way we yeah. approach money, the way we approach parents, um, you know, how important it was for me to be home with my parents when I need when they needed me and not, yeah. you know, give me grief about that. And yeah. he knew that and understood that. Um, when I was paying for my parents, you know, cars and I was already still married, but I was still paying for their stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he understood those things because that those are values that we kind of understood yeah. as some as 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 kids. Yeah, right. And correct. you kind of grew up with that. Yeah. Um, and I always say like people who are always like, you know, dating and out there and like you have to find somebody that kind of understands those values, too, because those are things that you just carry with you forever. Yeah. Like, fr- like being frugal. Yeah. 
I oh, mean, it's you. I'm so frugal. My, and I know, and I'm super resourceful. And yeah. and my and my husband's always like, I always know that you're always gonna have something because you you're just like your mom. Like you always find a way to figure yeah. it out. Like that's just the things that you carry with yeah. you. Yeah, you know, you don't spend just to spend. You you know, you're very careful about oh, where yeah. you spend your money. I'm and a your saver. saver. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're both big savers. Listen, when I go to H E B, I'm over here like, which one is a yeah, better deal? I know. You know yeah. Because at any moment in time, I think the other lesson I learned growing up was that you can be successful one moment and you can lose it the next. Right. So you always have to be prepared for that and be humble. And I think those are all great lessons I, I'm still learning. I mean, I still have yeah. the majority of my life to live. And I mean, these are all lessons that I'm learning now and just now kind of figuring out and like, you know, being like, oh, okay, now that makes sense. Yeah, you do. You figure me. them out over yeah. the years. And then how you want to raise your kids, you know, right. with the same values. Right, exactly. Even though they have more, you still want to raise them to be humble yeah. and to and to want more and to, and, you know, and to take care of each other yeah. and take care of everyone. Because yeah. I think you always want Love that. every generation to be more successful than, the last, than you are. Yeah. And that's the same for other female surgeons who are below me. I want them to be more successful than I will be, you know. In my future. So do you find mentorship something important to you? Super important. I mean, my mentors, I've had male and female mentors. My favorite mentor, her name is Dr. Klimberg. She's at uh, UTMB in Galveston. I met her when I was a general surgery resident in Arkansas. And once again, I mean, just seeing, um, she's such a pioneer in the field of um, breast surgical oncology. I mean, she was treating so many women and, um, you know, but she's so humble Mm-hmm. And um, she used to take me out for coffee every weekend in Arkansas, every weekend. And we would just talk about life and work. And when I told her I wanted to do plastic surgery, uh, super supportive. She helped me. You know, she came to my <laughs> general surgery graduation. She actually came and flew to my plastic surgery graduation wow. in July. I mean, for somebody who's so busy, I mean, I, I tell her all the time. I always tell her, I'm like, I love you. You're like my mom. Oh, wow. And she's very much like family. And um, I very much respect the fact that she trained at a time when it was very challenging because it was a male-dominated field. Uh, I, I respect the fact that she's humble and that she's innovative and that even now, you know, she could she could do whatever she wants, mm-hmm. you know, but she chooses to help all these women. And I remember when I went to her going-away party, um, all of those patients that came back and spoke so highly of her and were so incredible. I mean, it's just like, they don't have to do that, you know, but they're just so appreciative because she, you know, saved so many lives. And I remember thinking like, I always tell people, if I can be like 10% of who she is, amazing, I'll be happy with that, you know, because it's like this impossible standard almost for me to be like that. But I, I will try every single day, you know. But it's something that you'll carry as a mentor yourself oh, yeah. one day, right? Yeah. Those lessons that she taught you, yeah. you'll teach those to another yeah. up-and-coming doctor. Oh, yeah. She's huge on education. Uh, she taught me, and I feel like I have a responsibility to teach other people. I, I enjoy teaching. And so for me, it's like, you know, we have students or residents mm-hmm. or anybody who comes in, like, I'm happy to teach them. You know, I love doing research. So, I mean, these are all things that were instilled in me when I was going through that right. I think are That's important awesome. to pass on. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love that story. And I think mentors are so important. I think my mentors really, you know, affected me and really, yeah. I still carry them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For still sure. still carry them with me. So let's switch a little bit of the topic. And I want to talk a little bit about pop culture. Yeah. Just because it's such a big thing. And I read an article recently that said something like girls and young women are just becoming so... Um, 
disillusioned with themselves and their bodies because mm-hmm. of social media. Do you find that you're you're getting a lot of that in the practice and a lot of younger women coming in and wanting to change their bodies? I mean, the Kardashian effect, for example, has been something that's actually actually documented where yeah. women have definitely decided they wanted to come in and get the you know the bigger butts. Yeah. Um, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? You know, I think when younger women come in, or especially the any patient who comes in who's very social media savvy, um, the first thing I counsel them on when they show me pictures of celebrities or other yeah. women is that one, this is a great photo, sure, but it may be filtered, it may be edited, it may be photoshopped. You I'm don't so really glad know. you said that. Um, and then two, you know, their body is very different from your body. And while we can either look at things that we don't like about that photo or that we like about that photo and think about what can be applied to you, you have to understand that this is not your body type and it may never be your body type, you know? And I think it's good to have ideas and wishes and goals But I do feel like sometimes when patients come in, um, I have to counsel them that these photos may not be necessarily what they're seeing and it may not be the right option for them. So I do think that um, there are patients that come in like that. But then there's also on the flip side, patients who come in and they show me a photo and they're like, please don't make me look like that. I want a more natural look. Okay. Okay. So, But do you find that we're, I mean, being a doctor, a cosmetic surgeon, are we encouraging that? So I don't think that we're necessarily encouraging. Uh-huh. I feel like it's a tool for education. At least when so f- when patients come in and show me those things, I have to tell myself, okay, this is this is social media. This is what this is, and that's an opportunity for me to educate them about kind of what they're seeing and right. how that applies to them. And then in turn, I think they you can see kind of the wheels start to turn in their mind. Mm-hmm. And then it gets passed on because they go and see their friend and they tell them, oh, well, this is what the doctor told me. Mm-hmm. So while there are components of social media that may not be the best, yeah. I think we as physicians can turn it around and use it as a tool for education. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. That's not necessarily one way. Yeah. yeah. If you can educate, because I think education happens a lot in, in, in your practice, correct? A lot. Yeah. A lot. And you have to go talk to them and go through procedures and what can happen and this and that, you know, you have to go through a lot of that. And in the day and age of social media, right? So it used to be in, in the old days, right? Like it was word of mouth that got you referrals, but in the age of social media, there's so many people out there posting their opinions. It may not necessarily be evidence-based or factual medicine. And so I think, you know, part of our job as surgeons and physicians is to counsel those patients. So while social media is a great, promotional tool I think that there's also a side of it um, that may not be accurate and that we have to like kind of counter and the best way to do that is by sitting patients down and saying this is what the research shows this is what the evidence shows so I think there's and, pros and cons to and it. And bringing a realistic point of view, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Because I think what happens in social media is the highlights. It's the idealistic life that they're leading. Yes. It's not necessarily their life all the time. Yeah, and exactly. It's like, you know, social media, I think I was I was watching something where it was like, social media is where you can portray the life you desire to live, right? Yes. You can put any sort of image out there that you want, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you would hope it's a positive influence on whoever is watching you. But at the same time, I always tell patients, you have to remember 
you don't know this person, you don't know what's going on in their life, you don't know what exactly. the situation was. And so because you're seeing a photo that may be edited doesn't mean that that's necessarily what's going to work what's for you. Exactly. You know? And I think they get that. Yeah, no, that's great. I think that's a good thing to to always be educating and always talking about that because, mm-hmm. you know, there is an emphasis now with body positivity too, yeah. you know, where you do want to love your lo- love your body for what it is. And yeah. I think that's also good. But I think if you wanted to change something about your body to make you feel positively good about it yeah why not that is body positivity it I is mean, it it's, is it's once again it's like you're it's taking another form of self-love right yeah exactly you're taking an already good body or great body you know and yeah. you're making it better that's body positivity for sure I love that and just it just bring, brings up the confidence in you and I think I I remember having this conversation with another another doctor and just being, you know, very, um, very clear about, you know, you just educate the women and just let them know that this is, you know, how it is and this is how it can be. And, you know, and I remember we mentioned a while back or we talked a little bit about the, the Brazilian butt lift, which Mm -hmm. is something that's very popular now. Correct. And you're going to be doing a promotion for that. And I'm excited to share that with my audience because you ladies have been waiting and y'all been (laughs) asking and we're finally going to be doing a promotion and a giveaway. Um, so tell me a little bit about that procedure and why that one has become so popular. Is it also, also the Kardashian effect? Well, I think that, yes, there's there's definitely an effect from social media and celebrities having yeah. it done. But also, you know, liposuction has been going on for years, right? And yeah. when the fat used to be discarded, I think now the change has shifted to where can we use that fat, right? And so we use that fat for numerous things. I mean, for breast reconstruction. So after yeah. breast cancer, you can use it. For breast augmentation, you can use it, meaning patients don't want an implant and they want the fat. But also it can be put in, in the buttock area. And, you know, you have women who come in. I've had women come in and tell me, put in as much fat as you can and make me as big as possible. And I want that Kardashian look. Uh-huh. And then I have other women who come in and say, I already have like a nice athletic backside. Can you just put a little bit more in to make it look a little bit more natural so that my clothes will fit better? Okay. And so I always make a note to ask the patient, what is your goal? Do you want a more natural look? Do you want a more exaggerated look? And with the use of fat, you can get either look and it's all about what the patient wants and what will make them happy, you know? And so um, I think with the advent of, what's called fat grafting, which is what that is, where we put fat from one place Uh into another place that has really revolutionized surgery, plastic surgery. And research the doctor before you do it. Yeah, correct. I think very careful about looking into the doctor, making sure they're board certified and they have a record, right? Correct. Of of success. Correct. So I feel very strongly, I'm a little bit biased, obviously, because I did all the training, but safety in any surgery, it doesn't matter, general surgery, plastic surgery, whatever you're doing, safety in any surgical procedure is the most important thing. And so I think when patients are doing their research, anybody can advertise their cosmetic or aesthetic surgeon, okay? But you have to really look into what is their background, what is their training. And for me, I'm board eligible, meaning I've already taken 50% of my boards and I'll take the rest next year and hopefully get a board certification in plastic surgery. I'm already board certified in general surgery. Okay. Um, But you want to go to somebody who is, in my opinion, who did a plastic and reconstructive surgery training. Okay. And then also somebody who is board eligible or board certified, because that means that they've gone through the standards that are set to perform safe surgery. And in the realm of aesthetic surgery, it's all elective, meaning it's not an emergency. 
So you want to, you want to have, you the, have the time, outcome, right? You have you wanna, the time yeah, to research and right. look into it. And you want to be safe. You know, you want to have, you want to go to sleep, wake up, have a fabulous result and go out and live your life. You know, I typically think that if the, the deal sounds too good to be true, it's probably not a good deal. Could be. It could be for sure. I think the way that people price depends on location, who they're marketing to, but I think once again, it's like you have to really, you know, anybody can have a nice website and you can have a nice social media. Right. Uh-huh. You have to look into their credentials and you really have to look into that. And don't be afraid to ask your surgeon. Yes. I've ask had, a lot of questions. Yeah. I've had patients come in and ask me, you know, what's your training? What's your background? Yeah. I have no problems answering that question because I think that it's their right to know. They should right. be able to know that. And if they want to know, ask, ask, you they know, they should. Yeah. Ask any question. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And it's like, you, I feel like you're an open book. So guys, if you want to find out a little bit more about Dr. Kumbla mm-hmm. and what she does and what she practices, we're going to have that information. We're going to give you the description. She's also going to be very big on the podcast. And you're going to also be looking for her stuff and all of her promos and all of the giveaways on the Vice by Alicia Instagram account, as well as on the description for this podcast episode. So before we go, before we um, uh, let you go have your day, I know that you're a true crime uh, oh, yes. <laughs> fan, which I am as well. <laughs> I am as well. I, I I fall asleep to true crime. Yes. <laughs> I put it in my yes. headphones. Um, I want you to tell us, recommend a few podcasts that you listen to our show um, that you like. Okay. I watch Dateline regularly yes love I Dateline. Love Keith Morrison, <laughs> Keith Morrison his voice makes me go to sleep and I love it, that it's like yeah. he's like a lullaby I know <laughs> I I love it I think Dateline's a great one uh Serial the podcast Serial yes such a great one which was one of the first podcasts that came out that was yeah. big that so became good. big yeah so good um those are the big ones that I watch I also watch a lot of 2020 so um and then any documentaries i can get my hands on i'll watch so whatever's on netflix hulu uh i think my netflix recommendations is like all true crime now because like that's all i watch so (laughs) i'm gonna start mixing it up yeah yeah no it's a way to disconnect from reality it's like but you know some people assume that it's like you know why why do you like that violence i think what i'm what i'm really intrigued by is how they find somebody who committed like the whole forensics you know what component yeah. I love that you know what really has fascinated about me and I was like oh if I wasn't a surgeon I would do this is um the whole thing of genetic genealogy yes. where they're using um family trees and family histories to solve cold cases after many many years I mean yeah. think about like when they tell the family we solved it and they've caught the person who has been living their life you know yeah. for whatever yeah. x amount of years and they brought you know justice to that person it's really an amazing it's thing fascinating. it's fascinating so amazing it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, they find like a brother or a cousin and then they hone in on yeah. the person, right? For the longest time, I was like, I want to be a medical examiner. And then I was like, no, my true calling is, you know, to do plastic surgery. So, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I am, I am, I will admit a true crime uh, junkie for sure. Oh, I know. I am too. I love them and all the documentaries too. But guys, I want you all to please, please, please follow her. Where can they follow you? What is your um, Instagram account or where so, should um, we? We have two. So okay. um, my personal one is just my name. It's um, Pallavi um, space Kumbla MD. Um, I probably am the only one that pops up with that name, to be honest. And then the uh-huh. second one is um, ACPS fellowship. Okay. And uh, I've linked on my personal one to that. And then if you go to our fellowship one, you can also find me through that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. And so find her and you'll get more information on her from us and from what we're doing and the promos that we're going to be putting out there for you all too. So keep an eye on those. You definitely want to get on those promos and win all these. Thank you so much no, thank for you being so much. on the podcast. I, it's been such a joy. Um, we've been working together and I think um, I'm just excited for the future. Yeah. This is an amazing podcast. Great. It's been an amazing thank experience. You. So uh, I love what you're doing and um, thanks for including me. Thank you. Appreciate it.